Welcome TTB community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me, as always, is the overzealous Elliot Shibley. Elliot, take it from here, please. Overzealous? What do you mean overzealous? I just <laughs> like what I do. I love what I do. <laughs> anyway, we have been collaborating with Minivan of Memories recently. They are a travel blog that you can just write up a little blurb and send it to him, and he'll post it and share it with everyone else. It's pretty cool. Also, Check out Little Passports. They are a subscription-based service that you get packages mailed from other countries, about other countries, for your kids, different activities, art projects. It is monthly, and each package could build upon the previous package. They're pretty cool. Yeah, this is something that I cannot wait to purchase for my daughter. I think it starts at ages three, and yeah, it's it's sort of a monthly prescription, and they send you... a. It almost looks like a lunchbox or a backpack with coloring books, just ways for your child to learn about the world, the environment. It's really cool, really cool idea. And it's something that I'm looking forward to supporting. Yeah. And if you're interested, please go to our website. We have a link to it at the bottom of our page. And if you click through them, then it helps us out a little bit too. And we have been working with Audible. You can use our link, which is also on our website, and you get a free 30-day trial, which you can cancel at any time, and you get to keep the books at the end, which is actually really nice. I think I used that when we went to Peru to read a little bit on the plane. Yep. So, all right, everybody, this episode, it's pretty special to us. It is uh, a recap. It is the itinerary breakdown of our trip to Peru. We plan on breaking down our itinerary by going through each step we took in navigating through the country um, on a trip that we just took earlier this month. It was Elliot, myself, and our another friend of ours, Brian. We give recommendations on restaurants. We talk about our accommodations. We give personal opinions on the country, and we share some of the funnier moments that we shared together while traveling through this South American country. Episode one... Oh, did... Did I mention that it's broken down into two episodes yet? I don't know if I did. So well, anyway, now you it, did. Now I did. It, it. We ended up talking for way too long when we started going into this trip. So we ended up breaking this episode down into a part one and a part two. Part one is going to consist of our time in Lima, Cusco, Pisac, Chinchero, Olaytintambo, and Aguas Calientes. That is our day one through four. The second episode will then cover Machu Picchu, our ATV tour through the Andes to the uh, Moras and the salt mines, and then just general Peru travel tips that we picked up uh, on our experiences. At the end of part two, we are also going to break down our budget and hopefully give you, if you're planning a trip to Peru, an idea of how much uh, you would spend going on a trip yourself. And our guest... Brian actually was able to join us for this episode, which That's is kind of right. nice. Yeah, I guess our, we should. Our cameraman, our, uh, yeah, we our joked, bodyguard. <laughs> we joked the entire trip that the only reason we invited him was because we needed a cameraman. We were only half joking. Elliot, were you, you weren't even joking at all. I, I don't joke. No, no. So um, without further introduction, please give it up for uh, one of my best friends in the whole world, Brian Driscoll, and our conversation on Peru. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. 
Brian, thank you so much for coming on the Traveler's Blueprint with Bob and I. You were a great addition to our trip to Peru, Machu Picchu, and the Sacred Valley, and we are very excited to talk to you about our collective experience hiking through the tropical country of Peru, experiencing the food, experiencing the culture, and experiencing the history. So we're going to go through our itinerary, and then at the end of this, you, me, and Bob are going to talk about some tips and tricks that we have that we picked up along the way. So let's get started from day one. Day one. All right. So, well, we had a layover, right? So we left at 6.50 a.m. in the morning. Uh, We had a layover in Fort Lauderdale that we won't bore you with. Um, But shout out to uh, Jimbo Sandbar. Those fish tacos were amazing. Yeah, they were. Mm -hmm. And the, the gator bites. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about them. And shout out to Mike Fragnoli and Shannon Kenyon for taking time out of their day to visit us. Yes, yeah. So we kicked it off there. We had a flight from Fort Lauderdale to Lima that left at 5 p.m. And we landed in Lima at 10 p.m. And we're pretty much hurled into chaos. Okay, so we land in Lima and we were fortunate enough to have our Airbnb send a driver for us to the airport that had... What was it? An attempt to be my name, <laughs> Bod. Bod. It was Bod. B-O-D. Bod Demena. Yeah, I'm. I'm assuming it was me. There could be a Bod Demena who just stole his ride. That's very true. Yeah. Um, Hot Bod Demena. So, all right. So, guys, your first experience is uh, driving through Lima from the airport. It was terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Brian, that was your first time like outside the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to Mexico, but I don't think you can really consider that anywhere close to peru and they definitely didn't drive like that in mexico it seemed lawless yeah it seemed like there were no roads road signs or or lines in the road everybody was just seemed to merge wherever they wanted to go and intersections were crazy because everybody would just drive up to the intersection and then slam on the brakes to sort of merge in but it seemed to be that everybody knew that everybody expected to drive into an intersection and cars would just come from all different angles to then slowly merge into whatever lane they were trying to get yeah, into. It was almost like there was like order to their chaos, you know? Yeah. yeah controlled yeah. chaos. It was, <laughs> yeah. And people just laid on the horn constantly, which I found. But it was it was like a, hey, I'm here. Right. I never felt once like anyone had road rage. I was thinking about that no. the other day. Like they, they all just beep so much where I feel like here you, you end up getting pissed off at somebody, but right? it's just yeah. kind of like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sliding in. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. A beep, a beep in the States is an expletive. A beep in Peru is just, hey, um, coming up, don't hit me. They beep at other cars. They beep at buses. They beep at trucks. They beep at pedestrians. They, they beep, beep at just dogs. because they feel like beeping. They beep yeah. at cats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was interesting. And then, I mean, leaving the airport, uh, it was obvious. It wasn't the greatest neighborhood. And that was sort of my first experience, all of our first experiences in Peru. You leave and you're kind of in... Oh, it's a rundown area. And then as soon as you get out of that area, you're on the highway and you get into, well, I guess, depending on where you're staying. But for us, it was Miraflores. The first night that we had in Peru was in Miraflores. And that was a beautiful neighborhood. Um, commercial, lots of good restaurants, lots of good bars and uh, some, some really nice architecture. We went, I mean, it was nighttime, so we didn't get to walk around too much. I mean, by the time we got there, it was, what, like 11 o'clock at night? Did we even go to a restaurant that night? Yeah. We went to we, Molly's. We went oh, to Molly's, right. and we met with Matt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we met Jacob. 
<laughs> and we met Jacob. We met a really cool yeah, Australian. Yeah, Australian guy who was just coming off a motorcycle trip around South America who probably with his would, dad. Yeah, with his dad. He's probably going to be on one day. He had yeah. some really cool stories to tell us. And so that was that was pretty much our first night. Nothing too crazy. I will I am quite embarrassed to say it and I will be the first to say it that our first meal in Lima was McDonald's. Oh, Sam, if you're listening, we apologize, but it was like 2.30 in the morning and there was nothing open and that's all we were able to do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like to our so defense, that was our except f- for Elliot, because he got the most basic thing ever. I mean, you and I yeah. tried something different from McDonald's. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been to McDonald's in like four years. It could have been all different. Uh, you know damn well the Big Mac is a standard. <laughs> you got a Big Mac. There's no question on the Big Mac. I know it's a standard, but I didn't know if anything else was a standard anymore. Yeah, I don't remember what I got, but there was a lot of onions. Brian, remember a lot of the menu options yeah, had a that, ton of onions, had onions on them. On it. It, was, it was a unique menu. Yeah. Um, so, hey, we experienced the culture a little bit. So, yeah, that was the first day. Yeah, so, so next day we wake up um, pretty early. Every day, I think, we woke up pretty early. And... We had an, a breakfast option picked out. Uh, do you remember the name of it? Uh, Cafe IU. Cafe IU. Was that it? Or was it a Oh, Gora, no, no. That was, in, that was in Lima. E Cafe? Yeah, it was a Gora Arte Cafe. It was, it's basically like a library and coffee shop mm-hmm. put together. It was actually kind of cool, but the bookstore wasn't open when we were there. So we just kind of got some coffees and some empanadas. Yeah, you talked me into getting a charred <laughs> empanada. <laughs> not chard it was char char like swiss chard yeah whatever I didn't, and i didn't talk in, you into it i explained to you what she was saying don't get it there's no meat he he told me to get it that's how i remember it i feel like bob for you and i that was like our first experience trying to communicate to someone who has no he, idea what we're saying yeah yeah so for me, I mean, I've been to a, a few other countries and I've never, every country I've been to up until this point, I've been able to communicate in English, even broken English. I was able to get my point across, but Peru immediately was different. They don't speak much English and rightfully so. I mean, they're not, they're not an English country, but I wasn't expecting it to be so, you know, um, I don't know. The, Challenging? Yeah, I guess. And thankfully we had Elliot. Be literally the only reason we brought him so he could be our translator yeah. <laughs> and that's fair yeah and so i don't know why i brought you yeah i don't know why you brought me either i i, I, don't, know, <laughs> I don't know what i brought to the table but um it yeah brian i think that was the first point the first time where we realized that uh it was, it was a little more difficult to communicate than i guess we originally anticipated um but anyway we recommend that cafe, cafe. i do Oh, yeah, I really liked it. Great, I thought yeah. they had great coffee. They had that nice little outside yeah, I'm sure, area. I'm sure that the library in mm-hmm. there would have been pretty cool if it was open. Yeah, right on a park. Yeah, I wonder. It'd be cool if you could like, grab a book and sit outside and enjoy your coffee. Um, from there, we walked yeah. We walked pretty far to... Uh, I think, yeah, we ended up walking to the coast... Not the coastline, but to the cliffs that overlook the beach. Mm-hmm. And they have a really awesome like coastal linear park that is really really popular with people exercising jogging walking their dog it it's a very urban metropolitan city in places yeah it was super active yeah yeah i loved how you had this awesome city right this fully developed city and then you come right up to a cliff's edge and you have this beautiful park that runs along the cliffs i don't know how how high were those cliffs oh those are probably 200 foot 
Mm-hmm. And then it's just, you know, vertical drop straight down. There's a street there, a highway, but then it's the beach. And I thought it was incredible. We threw the drone up. Um, there will be footage coming up shortly, but we got incredible, incredible drone videos of us yeah. sitting in this park uh, with the city in the background. We spun it around. We have the water in front of us. We're driving it on the cliffs. Yeah, that was really cool. And that wasn't planned. Uh, we just kind of took that initiative to go out there. Um, yeah. because it was so a lot close. of the museums, yeah, and a lot of the museums and stuff didn't open till like nine or ten, yeah, or even the churches. So we had some time to kill in the morning and decided to go out there and then just walked along that. And where where did we go after that? Was that to the ruin, the Puklana Temple, the Huaca Pukiana? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So I re- I really recommend seeing the coastline. I'm sure if you're in Lima and you're a tourist, you're probably going to end up there. But yeah, we walked from the cafe to the coastline, to that park. Do you remember the name of the park, Elliot? I don't. No. Um, I'm going to... I'm gonna. Yeah, Google it. Find it right now. Um, and then from the park, we... Well, we walked up the park. There was a lot of exercise equipment. I showed them up on pull-ups and <laughs> dips um, with my backpack on. And then we went to the... Yeah, it was so cool. Wait, what about those <laughs> trees, Elliot? <laughs> oh, those trees. Those trees were amazing. What were they a mix of? Uh... I don't know if you've ever heard of a monkey puzzle tree. No. But they, they have like really waxy, thick leaves that are almost like Dorito shaped. But this was like a pine tree with thick needles. It was really cool. Yeah. It was almost like a like a mixture between a fur and a monkey puzzle. Mm-hmm. There would be pictures. Yeah, I have pictures of you taking pictures of the tree. So yeah. Yeah, we could put those it's up It's pretty too. meta. Mm-hmm. But the park is, there's actually a series of parks. It's not just one big park. Um, like the first place we went to was Parque de Parque del Amor, which was the love park with the big sculpture of the people like making out. Yeah. Yeah. And all the mosaic tiles mm-hmm. and the benches. And then further up, there's like a lighthouse. There's a bunch of skateboard parks, tons of tennis courts, clay tennis courts. Oh yeah. They were pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that park. I'm glad we went there. So anyway, so we walked up that and then we cut across to the ruins and we could talk about what we what we each thought about these ruins, but we, for some reason, thought the entrance was the o- complete opposite way. We didn't know where the entrance was, and I am defending myself here because I just had gut instinct, went left. Mm-hmm. And we followed. And it, yeah, we walked literally 330 degrees around the entire ruin mm-hmm. to the entrance. Yeah. A 20-minute walk could have been a five-minute walk. And then we get in, and, and keep in mind, this is early April, and it was hot. It was in the 80s, maybe, close to it. Yeah, we were on soaps. Yeah, and the ruins, I think it was a 15 soles to enter, and they're basically the ruins of, they predate the Incan Empire. Uh, they were the Limas, I believe, right? Is that, yep. So they were the Limas. They developed this, this structure uh, at the time of the Spanish conquest, it ended up being covered by earth. So when the Spanish came to Peru and started to take over the Incan Empire, eliminate them, they they didn't see the structure and so it remained intact. It wasn't until much later that people realized that under this giant mound of dirt was actually this ancient ruin. They began excavation and that's the only reason that you're able to visit it today. It was it was cool. It was really neat uh, to see the type of architecture that they were they had. Was they were they mud bricks? Yeah, it was the uh, adobe bricks, right? Or- yeah, adobe. Yeah. And and the type of architecture. Adobo or adobe? Adobe acrobat. <laughs> Ado- isn't adobo the food? Or do- yeah, maybe it's adobe. And remember that they they 
the architecture looked sort of like a library shelf. Yeah, yeah. Like a bookshelf. So you had the flat mud rock right and then you had this single bricks that sort of looked like books sitting on a shelf and that's how they built up the temple it was cool um it was it was an act in the grand uh, scheme of things too right they were like still excavating hand it was yeah yeah and i can confirm it is adobe but there's a there's a lot of cool history and we're not going to claim to be historians on this because there's so much information and so many different uh cultures and groups that had actually been in Lima and along the coast. There were probably six different groups between the Lima, the Wari, there is like the, there were probably four others, even all before the Incas, but the Spanish kind of came over and tried to wipe them all out. And as Bob said, this was the, because it was kind of ruined and looked like just a dirt hill. That's the only reason it survived. In looking back, would you guys go and visit this ruin again? Yeah, I think it was a a cool site to kind of, like get us, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. acquainted, warm to... up, yeah, right, right. It was, it was an appetizer, yeah. And we had we had time to we had time to spend in Lima, right. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, compared to all the other ruins that you end up seeing in Peru, it's a little underwhelming. But when you're in Lima, there's really not much else to do other than eat and drink and walk around go to the park so to have this in there to mix it up a bit i think is is a nice uh addition to the city and then right after that we ended up taking a cab up to the central business district or the central historic district yeah and near plata de armas grabbed some lunch where was that uh tanta that was delicious tanta yeah which i and yeah yeah it was yeah that ended up being a they have a few locations i think right yeah that was our first uh, where we got our first Pisco Sour, and then also Ceviche. That was our first Ceviche dish. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was in a super touristy area, but the buildings are beautiful there. I loved that square. The plaza was amazing. And the president's house is actually on that square. Yes. Which is why, if you're taking a drone, do not fly it there. You will get tackled. Yes, there are guards with AK-47s all around that building and i mean we had no idea not that we were going to throw the drone up right there but we were thinking about it and i'm glad we asked the the, yeah that that brings me to a good point the they have security that just roams and i mean i don't i guess they're considered security but they're also sort of like the like tourist liaisons yeah yeah yeah, they're they're, super friendly very informative yeah, they would come up to you and say, how are you doing? How are you enjoying Lima? Where are you from? And then at the end of it, they would ask to have a picture taken with you. And so very welcoming. I, it, it was a really cool experience. I like that they do that there to make sure that the tourists are having a good time and that everything's okay. And that's who we asked whether or not we could throw the drone up. And then they pointed to the house right in front of us and said, no, the president lives right there. It's probably not a good idea. And we decided that we agreed with them. And we, yeah, and so he did not put the drone up there. Yeah. Oh, and I did want to backtrack a little bit because we mentioned two things about we talked about solace, which is the Peruvian currency, and the exchange rate for solace is about three, three and a half to one. So one U.S. dollar will get you about three point two five solace. And then the other thing we talked about was that Lima and Peru is very hot. It's only a few de- few degrees south of the equator. So you're getting some pretty direct sunlight, and especially when you move up into higher altitudes like Cusco and Machu Picchu, there's less 
atmosphere to protect you. So either wear long sleeves or wear sunscreen or both. Or like Bob, you can get his awful, awful hat. That, all right, one, that hat is beautiful. <laughs> Let me give another option for the listeners. Or you just get incredibly sunburnt. Like Elliot, Elliot, are you still suffering from that burn on your neck? Uh, the burn, that burn is healed, but I'm still peeling. Yeah. Um, for the record, my hat is beautiful. I no longer own that hat because I traded it in to one of the Machu Picchu employees who gave me their official archaeological site of Machu Picchu hat. UNESCO World Heritage. Yeah. Yeah. I washed it and it looks brand new. I'm excited to wear it. It's all in Spanish, but you know, I'll start there. (laughs) You can start learning that. Yeah. So, all right. So... So we had lunch, and then we went to the Church of San Francisco, which I think all three of us enjoyed. I I wish we remember, remembered our tour guides. Oh, I wish too. Oh, was, <laughs> yeah. I want to say it was like Peter. He was very funny. Oh no, that was one of our that was one of our taxi drivers, I think, or Uber drivers was Peter. He he reminded me of like a a more flamboyant Aziz Ansari. <laughs> yeah, something. Like I will that. say he had beautiful eyelashes. Yeah, I don't know how you noticed that. Because <laughs> I was standing right next to him. He was awesome. They were they were like an inch long. He was very informative, and he made the tour a lot of fun. Uh, so the Church of San Francisco, it's a church, but then what drew us to it was the catacombs, which have uh, bones displayed throughout them. I wrote down 75,000 people. Do we, me- do we remember the number? Because I think I was wrong. I think he said it was 25,000. 25,000. And they're still, still they're alive. still yeah. burying people in there currently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the, but if you go through it a lot of the bones are just for show now, but right. they kind of stack them in different patterns on top of where people actually were thrown uh-huh. and then they just all decomposed and like the bones were broken, but 25,000 people in a, in one pit is a lot of bodies. Yeah, well they had the earthquake there and they had to when that happens, a lot of it was disrupted, and then they had to replace the bones, and so um, yeah. that's why you see them displayed the way they are. And it's a lot of femurs, yeah. right? Femurs, femurs and, and skulls, and yeah, lots of skulls. The bones that take longer to decompose. <laughs> very morbid. Yeah, very cool though. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was neat. I the catacombs were—I've never been in catacombs before, so that was that was a unique experience. Um, so so actually, from there, we we had to take a cab to the airport. We flew out that yeah. evening at five o'clock. Getting back to Lima Airport from downtown is pretty easy because it's farther north from Miraflores or the Bronco District, the other two very popular places in Lima. So it wasn't too bad. Uh, even in Lima Airport, I think it was one of the easier airports that I've been to in the world. I yeah. had no issue with with how they handled the airport. We got right through, um, made it to Cusco by around nine thirty at night, and did we Uber? I think we did. I think we Ubered. Yeah, we did. From the Cusco airport back to our Airbnb. And we had Airbnbs for the entire trip. Some of them were hostels that were advertised on Airbnbs, but they were all, all of our stays were through Airbnb. Made it very easy. Yeah, a note on that, Airbnbs in Peru in general are very cheap. And at the end of this, we plan on going through kind of the daily budget. But I think total... Oh, for seven nights, it was 327 bucks mm-hmm. for all of us. So between the three of us, it ended up being 110 bucks right. to stay in Peru. And I think it's worth noting, you know, we didn't stay in any any hostels or Airbnbs where 
I felt like they were like run down or anything. You know, they were all pretty, pretty nice and decent condition. And, right. Yeah. I think, yeah, all of our places. Had great views. Yeah. All, yeah. They all had great views and they were all sort of middle of the road. We could have went, you know, you can go the cheap route if you really wanted to save money and find places for $7 a night compared to our approximately 10 to 15 per person a night. Or you can, have, you know, you can go even higher and you could spend a lot more on a nice fancy hotel. It depends on the experience you want. We kind of took the middle ground and we were all really satisfied with with that. Even though it was on the like I, the cheaper side, um, we did. We had a lot of our places had balconies with views of the mountains or the ruins. Uh, so the city, the city, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one in Cusco, we had we were up that on the hill awesome. and we had a gorgeous view of the city of Cusco. We could see you know the str- the, the church structures coming up. Yeah, the mountains. It was incredible, and I think that place was forty dollars total per night. Yeah, and in our, in general, our main criteria for the Airbnbs were a decent place to sleep and you know a shower that worked. Yeah, because we were only spending maybe a one to two waking hours there. Right. Yeah, you're barely in your room at all. Right. If you're yeah. doing Peru the right way, I mean, if you're if you're there for a long haul, if you're there for a month, and you actually want to spend time in your place, then I'd probably consider bumping it up a bit. You wouldn't have to with how we did it. The, the places we stayed would be perfectly fine for longer stays. But the way we had our trip planned was to sort of be in and out. We were only using these places to to sleep, get a shower, and then run right back out the door and explore Peru. Uh, and it worked out perfectly. Um, and if you're listening and you want recommendations or even the exact Airbnbs that we used, I'd be more than happy to share that information with you. Where are we? We, we landed in Cusco. We landed in Cusco. Mm-hmm. And then check into our Airbnb. And did we go out that night? Yeah. Norton Rats. Oh, and this. Oh, that's right. This is a good lesson learned for Brian. Brian, what happened when we got to Cusco? Oh what God, did you I can't do? I don't remember. What did I do? I don't remember. What did he do? <laughs> what did you buy? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I had my first experience with not haggling when you're buying anything, really. If there's anything outside of the restaurant. Um, it was it was very cold. We went from what was it eighty five degrees in Cusco or in, in Lima to it was like fifty something that night when we got to Cusco, and I, mm-hmm. I yeah. left my jacket in my truck at the airport in Philadelphia, so I didn't have anything to wear. So I had to buy a sweater, and I wanted to buy alpaca. And I was spending one hundred and twenty souls on a sweater, and I didn't even question the price at all. Definitely could have spent significantly yeah. less on it, but it's nice. It's worth it. At that point, we didn't know. Right, I mean, right. we didn't have... You sort of set the benchmark for what a sweater was, and then you said you said the the high benchmark. I don't... What did I end up getting mine for? I ended up getting... I thought you got yours for like 48 I, solos. Yeah. I think you even got it cheaper than that. I want to say it was like 35 or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, but I got mine in Chinchero, and it was at a yeah. local market where they were making them by hand, and so there wasn't the markup of them, you know, having to go to to Cusco and then the re- the the uh, store you bought yours from was sort of like a little higher end store it seemed like yeah yeah, yeah. it seemed like they had a lot of nice mm-hmm. stuff it wasn't like the the normal touristy right spot. right it wasn't the like the mass produced sweaters so the overall the overall lesson that we learned that night was that you can haggle for basically everything you buy unless it's food at a restaurant if they have a set price on the menu that's what it is. But you can haggle f- if you go to a market, a food market, you can haggle for that price. If you get in a taxi, most taxis will try to rip off people that look like they're not from Peru. So even if you know a little Spanish and you can haggle them down, 
they it it'll go a little a long way to getting a better price mm-hmm. and even for stuff at markets like if you're buying souvenirs if you buy a few souvenirs rather than just one they'll give you a way better price yeah and i think it's worth noting if you pay with souls instead of a credit card too because we were buying a lot of stuff on our credit card towards the end of the trip if you pay in, in yep. their cash you can get a significant discount as well yeah so the only thing I want to add to that is, and I think I discussed this on a previous episode where we were talking about Thailand, about haggling. I I agree with haggling because at the end of the day, they are marking things up because you're a tourist. But I also like people to consider the fact that if you're traveling from a Western country, you have money and you're visiting people with you know not as much money as you who are trying to make a living selling these souvenirs – don't haggle too much. If you're gonna, if you're spending what virtually ends up being one or two U.S. dollars more than what you are trying to spend, just let it go. You know, let these people just just give them the money. I, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> don't don't haggle too much because you know at the end of the day, if you're haggling for five soles, is what Elliot? Like, did, a, it's like a dollar. Something. Yeah, it, a dollar thirty. Yeah, I mean, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Such a socialist. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, so that was our first night. Well, almost. So at, when we got to Cusco after Brian bought his really, really, really nice alpaca sweater, <laughs> we went to. We actually asked them for a suggestion for dinner, and we ended up going to Norton Rats, which was more of a. It was a little bit of a touristy bar on again Plaza de Armas. I think every single town in Peru has a Plaza de Armas. And I'm not sure what the significance of it is, and we should probably look that up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Norton Rats was good. We just grabbed a beer, grabbed some food, and went back and got some sleep. Yeah, we were exhausted at that point. Um, the, the next day, though, so in the itinerary, I have it labeled as Lazy Day in Cusco. Yeah, and it was. It was, no, no <laughs> it was anything the, but. The complete opposite. It was an absolute marathon, mostly because of Elliot and his insane uh walking addiction but we woke up <laughs> and we we what we went to cafe uh cafe Ayu. Ayu? Yeah. i don't remember eating there oh yeah we, you got the salchichas oh we each got like a breakfast sandwich and the pancakes that's right the pancakes were really good mm-hmm. they're more like crepes but they're they were, really, they were thin really pancakes yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll call them crepes because that's the best way to describe them but yeah it, we had the crepes i had the, the sausage sandwich and we had coffees. Which is basically hot dogs. Which is basically hot dogs, yeah. And and then we hit the road. So from there, we walked across the city, right? Everywhere. Right. Well, we started across the city. Elliot saw a, a green dot on his Google Maps and thought it was a nice park. <laughs> it was a nice so park. So we walked across the city of Cusco. Literally, our Airbnb was on one end of Cusco. We walked across to the entire other end of the city. Right. And we get there. Almost. And it was a playground for elementary school children. It was not a park that we were able to And visit. it was not a very nice area. <laughs> and it was, it was not a terrible area. area. It, the, the park had, like, electric fencing around it. <laughs> <laughs> and so... There were dogs. There were packs of dogs everywhere. Ooh, yeah, I mean, there were wild dogs throughout Peru. A lot in yeah. Cusco, probably more than any other city we were in. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, really definitely. seeing any in Lima. Lima had a lot of cats. L- yeah, Lima had a lot of cats. There were parts of Lima that had some dogs. The nicer areas of Lima did not. Right, 
Right. I, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just because of how nice of the areas. Bronco and, and Miraflores were were so well kept that maybe they managed to keep the dogs out. But And fair warning, you may fall in love with one of those dogs. We met someone on our flight back who actually stayed in Peru for a month going through the adoption process for a like five or six month old dog that was going to be killed otherwise yeah there were some beautiful puppies there so some of them are so playful i have a really good picture and i think one of you took it of me i'm bending down it was right after we were coming down from sexy woman um which <laughs> that's it's a, a ruin. ruin it's the name of a ruin <laughs> marlia it's a ruin um and and there's a picture of me like bending down and like letting this dog sniff my hand and I'll, i'm gonna post it i'll post it with this podcast episode just so you guys can see it because it's it's a very cute picture. It's a, it's adorable of the dog. <laughs> I mean, it sucks that Bob's in it. So, well, sweet. Is this the day that we went up to, to Sexy Woman, right? Yeah. 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 Well, th- before we did that, we ended up walking down even further to the opposite end. Like, there are six opposite ends of Cusco. No, not really. Just in Bob's mind. Um, but Cusco is actually shaped like a puma, fun fact. Oh, that's right. If you look at an aerial. Uh-huh. Uh, but we ended up going to this tower. I think it was like Torre de... It was some... Like president or founder, it was an Incan empire. It was an Incan ruler. Yeah, yeah. which and that was, was supposed to be cool. like the cool... tail, right, of the puma. Yeah, yeah. We got to see some cool shots of Cusco. We got to see Cristo Blanco and parts of Saxe Woman, and then we ended up walking back to our, our Airbnb from there. Uh, dropped some stuff off, re uh, resupplied, <laughs> got some more water, and went to a delicious little cafe called la quinta yulia yes and so here we had our first experience with koi also known as guinea pig and what did you guys think it was delicious it was amazing i feel like i i know it's kind of weird at first seeing a guinea pig come out on your plate but after the first bite i just feel like you just dig in and the, the skin was so crunchy i feel like it was seasoned really really well and uh yeah i it was just like very moist chicken. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the dark meat, almost like wing yeah. wing meat. That's what chicken. it reminded me of. So, yeah, you're right, Brian. When we got it and we all had three dead guinea pigs sitting in front of us all fried <laughs> up with their heads still on, it was kind of weird. But then as soon as – I mean the way I think all three of us ate it was we grabbed one of the legs and pulled the legs off. And it broke off just like a chicken leg would off of yeah. like a rotisserie chicken and – <laughs> and that was it i mean and then we started eating that it. Was it whatever seasonings they used was they were amazing um the yeah. skin was and there was live music there too which yeah. was cool oh yeah i would really recommend this place and this is somewhere that i looked up and i did i did a decent amount of research on on TripAdvisor. yeah they they have they only have 130 reviews huh but the one thing i noticed i don't know if you guys noticed this the rest of the trip we got that koi for pretty cheap at that cafe and most other places, it was like 50 to 100% more soles. Oh, wow. Yeah, because we spent, what, it was like 40 soles or something, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like 45 for that, some corn, and like, uh, I don't know, a bushel of potatoes. Well, I think, was it Matt that was talking to us later and we told him the restaurant and he said that's more of a local spot and maybe that's why? It is, right. yeah. So I think, yeah. so yeah, if you're listening to this, go hear uh, authentic live music during the day. Um, really good koi. And... Overall, pretty cool experience. I, th- I don't know if there's any indoor seating. It might all be outdoors in a courtyard, but yeah, I really liked it there. Yeah. 
And then after that, I decided to take us up on to an awesome... Well, first we got some coffee because we needed a little... Yeah, yeah, we needed that. And the coffee, the coffee in Peru is amazing. If you don't like coffee, you'll like this coffee. If you like this coffee, if you like coffee in general, you will love this coffee. It's all organic. It's all fresh. It's all from Peru. Yeah, we, we can dive into coffee once we get back to Lima because... I think that's yeah. where we had our, our big coffee experience. Um, but yeah, at this point, we all needed shots of espresso. Uh, I don't remember where we went. It was just some place right off the yeah, street. Yeah, you guys blocked this out. Oh, the the place for coffee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. It was across the street from La Quinta. Yeah, somewhere around there. Do you remember what happened after that? Or did you block it out? Who? You guys. What happened? The, the steps? We The steps? The worst part oh. of the day? Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> we go up to the ruins, uh, sexy woman, and there now we know that there are two routes to get up there. Well, there might be more than two, but there's the route that the buses would take. Um, it's just a walking path, a vertical, well, not vertical, inclined walking path straight up. Or you can do what Elliot wanted to do and take possibly one million and a half flights of <laughs> stairs at at 11,000 feet all the way up. It was and it had so... to be like almost like completely vertical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were yeah. never ending. So we're stuffed with guinea pig and coffee. <laughs> we're tired. We've been walking all day long. And then I don't know what that elevation change was from where we were to the top of the mountain where... Uh, it's about 600 foot. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, was, yeah. it was so exhausting. And we're all in pretty good shape. So... S- some more than yeah. others. <laughs> I was surprised, honestly. Looking <laughs> back on it, I'm, I was surprised how much the elevation got to me. I thought, now, now let me just say this: I do have asthma. Physically, <laughs> my muscles were not tired. It was all my lungs that could not handle it. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I remember you complaining about your legs. No. Do you, yeah, your yeah. legs have asthma too? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that wasn't. That was hiking up to Machu Picchu. You're like, I can't feel my calves. Yeah. I might have said that by that point. I think that was because I was dehydrated. <laughs> Regardless, yeah. we took a lot of stairs up to Cristo Blanco, which is like a mini Christ the Redeemer statue. And it has great views of the city. And it's, I mean, the the statue itself is kind of cool. And the views are great from there. But then you can head over to uh, Bob's favorite place, Saxe Woman. Well, let's hold on. Let's not forget Bob tried to throw up the drone at the statue. Oh, yeah. And I thought that he was going to get tackled by that old lady. Yeah, she came out pretty yeah. quickly. You gotta be be aware of uh, flight zones. Mm-hmm. There's signage. I mean, I feel like we didn't really notice it. There were until... there were no around Cristo Blanco. That is a fair point. There were none around Cristo Blanco because we didn't come up the touristy way, uh, right, so we yeah. didn't see any signs. Um, but the the park attendants and the park rangers are very friendly. They if you do really want to do drone footage, they do have like a process to get permission to fly and you essentially have to talk to one of the park directors and if you get access or permission i think you can fly it in a few of the different locations Mm -hmm. well i did not get permission and i did try to fly it there and i was really excited to get some awesome footage of the statue with the city of cusco the drone made it maybe made it like four feet off the ground if that and i was shut down um yeah from there you can walk across uh, the road <laughs> yeah it's like it's, it's like, like 700 feet. yeah to get the sexy woman which i think these might be my second favorite ruins 
Yeah, they were other awesome. than Machu Picchu. And yeah, I, I think the thing that why is that the stone, the way that they put the stone together was awesome. But it's, I, I guess you guys would probably, I hope you guys would agree. In this had to be some like a sacred spot. You could tell the difference in the stacking of the stone, right? In the sacred areas versus you know the the terraces in Machu Picchu, and they were gigantic. Yeah, they were huge. They were huge yeah. stones. I mean, full grown man sized stones, six feet. Yeah, Bigger. yeah, and and we've got some we've got some Brian photos for yeah. scale. <laughs> and so they were cut perfectly. And to, wait, um, we later learned how they level the stones out, which was pretty cool. Oh yeah, they used uh, basically a dish, and they had it filled with water. And if the water didn't pour over the edge of the dish, they knew it was mm-hmm. level. Yeah. So those ruins were awesome. Um, and before we got hailed on. While up there, they, we, we found a herd of alpaca. And Elliot, you kind of wandered off a little bit. And Brian and I went to go get pictures with these alpaca. And yeah, it was definitely a very cool first experience with the alpaca. Yeah, that was like where we, we, we were getting initiated into the alpaca uh, experience because they're everywhere in Peru. I have an awesome... You guys are essentially, essentially honorary alpacas now. <laughs> that was my mission this whole trip was to try and spend as much time with the alpaca that I could. You did a pretty good job. <laughs> I have a great picture of you laying down in the grass with the alpacas behind you. Um, yeah, so that, anything else on Sexy Woman? That was pretty much it. Highly recommend it. If you're in Cusco, make it a point to go up there. It's not far at all. You could walk up yeah. there. You could take a bus up there or just grab a taxi. Check it out. Um, I would say... Or you could take the stairs. <laughs> yeah, stay away from the stairs. That would be my suggestion. But uh-huh. I think we... We only saw one part of it, too. It's much bigger. There's a lot more to it that we didn't even see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That part was, like, the accessible part. I think Sexy Woman is maybe a few dozen acres, and we only saw maybe four or five acres total. And it's pretty sprawling on the northern side of Cusco. But I did want to talk about one thing, uh, kind of an overall pass that you can get at any of the entrances to the parks. So if you're doing the Sacred Valley and you're going to multiple different ruins or museums in Cusco, Pisac, Oyotatambo, Chinchero, um, you can get a 10-day pass that costs you about 40, 40 US dollars, which is 130 soles, or you can get a one-day pass, which is 70 soles. And each one covers uh, roughly the same thing that one day pass covers a little bit less, but for the amount that you get to access to, it's worth the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you could buy that you know, in downtown Cusco or at any of the participating ruins or museums. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I, do, you, do you remember what it's called? Did you say? I think it's at the Sacred Valley Pass, something like that. I think you know, so. Yeah. I still have yeah. mine. I can take a picture of it. Uh, yeah. So the walk down was an experience that we're all going to remember now. So, well, first of all, yeah. we ended up... The highlight of the trip for me. <laughs> we ended up finding the correct path to walk down. So we, at least we had a nice, easy decline. And as we're going down, we see these two Peruvian women holding a baby alpaca. And so... Or a goat. Or a goat. Know. It looked like a goat, but they said it was an alpaca. I don't know. Um, and so 
we get pictures with them. I'm holding the baby alpaca. There's a beautiful rainbow in the background because it just had gotten done hailing, which I think is part of the reason that we didn't tour all of Sexy Woman. We kind of got out of there yeah. uh, because the weather kind of started to get crappy. But And not only was it a rainbow, it was a double rainbow. It was a double rainbow. Oh yeah, God, we God, still don't know that. what that means. What does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know, but it was all the way across the sky. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm getting the picture with the baby alpaca, and I think I handed it off. And then I felt a squish in my hand. <laughs> and when you're feeling something squishy, it's diarrhea. <laughs> and so Banana I had, parfait. Oh, come on. So I had a handful of diarrhea, a pack of diarrhea. It, it mainly went in my hand, but then it also went down my side and into my pocket. And it pooped off. And your wallet. No, no. Luckily, my wallet was in a different pocket, but I had cash oh. in that front pocket. And so it pooped on American dollars. And so they were very nice. They were trying to help me out as best they could to get me cleaned up. Um, I'm going to yeah. post the video of it. I haven't done it yet. I'm going to post the video of me. I can do it before and after. Um, yeah. Yes. Of me holding the alpaca and then actually getting pooped on or getting the poop cleaned up. But it was pretty funny. You did not like the smell no, of it. No, it made me gag a few times. Yeah, we, we, we <laughs> uh, learned that Bob still gags every time his, his baby poops. <laughs> All right. If you get used to the smell of poop, I think that's weirder than continuing the gag over the smell of poop, okay? I think I'm the normal one. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It, I, it, that went on for a good minute and a half, two minutes. Just I gave her the dollars. Watching, yelling about the poop. Yeah, you did. You gave the them the dollars that poop. got pooped on. I didn't want them. And so I gave well, her. Well, I mean, they, I gave they her, wanted to charge us 30 souls to take the picture yeah yeah so that's another thing if the, there are definitely locals in all throughout Cusco, but then you can differentiate the locals from the people that want their picture taken because they wear like the traditional peruvian garb of like a colorful poncho um like more more of like a taller 10 gallon hat that. that's weaved <laughs> yes <laughs> And they they ask you if you want to take a photo. And that's why they have these alpacas, the llamas, the baby animals. They want a picture. And if you take a picture of them, they will ask you for money. If they ask you for money, then you can get a picture. But just expect to give them money of mm -hmm. some kind. It can be like a few soles, or in this case, they asked us for essentially $10. And because they pooped on Bob, we gave them 50 <laughs> yeah just a picture if you've ever been to like times square or anything like that you know the batman that's in times square yeah he's gonna ask for a few bucks to take a picture with them it's the same thing they're kind of there to please the tourists and they're making money off of photographs and sometimes it's worth it um however in that case it absolutely hold was. a baby alpaca at your own discretion you may get pooped on it can happen you don't think it'll happen to you yeah. but then it does <laughs> so <laughs> This All thing's right. not over. I know, and we're we're like halfway. We're not even halfway through the. I know. Trip. We're like day three. This was this was by far our longest day. Um, so where did we go from here? We came down. We got showers. And yeah, it took you way too long to shower. <laughs> I have to say it. You you sat on your phone for like an I hour. I was so excited. Yeah, to so you were still so covered in poop, and you no no you refused to you get were. away from the shower. You guys you can't just deny didn't it. Missed me washing my hand. You guys didn't. are too busy doing something else. Um, <laughs> so, all right, we get back, we clean up, we wash our hands, 
and we get dinner. Oh, we met Matt. So Matt, uh, if you're if you're listeners, if you're fans of the show, we interviewed Matt while on uh, episode twenty three, uh, Trek Hoppers. He is he's an, a, a tour leader throughout the Sacred Valley. He leads treks between Lima and Cusco, all the way up to Machu Picchu, and he he's an awesome guy. He was so informative on this trip and. I think we can get into into our conversations with him a little bit more on the on the following day. But we met him at this awesome restaurant called Kusakui, which he recommended, and that's where I had alpaca for the first time. Yeah, um, yeah. I, what did you guys get? It was just, it was gamey. I ended up getting the papa re papa reinos, which is a stuffed pepper. And I yeah. had the uh, and was, that was Lomo delicious. Salcado. It's like the like the. It's kind of like the. I'd say it's like yeah, but it was more now. like Asian inspired, right? Like it was a stir yeah, fry. I think it was soy sauce, beef, and peppers. It was very, very good. Do you guys remember what Matt got? No, no, I don't. no. Uh, well, anyway, we met him there, and then we went out for the night. We had dinner, and he took us to a, a brewery. Which again, I can't. Nuevo Mundo. Was it? Nuevo, Nuevo Mundo. It was on Plaza de Armas. Right, right, yeah. right. They had awesome beer. Very standard you know uh craft beer that you'd see in an american brewery uh but they also had more local twists on some of the beer corn beer was popular um Mm -hmm. what else did they have didn't i feel like pretty much you know everything you find in your normal brewery yeah i ended up getting the pale ale that was really good but yeah it was very similar to standard american craft beer brewers um and i think the the person that owned that brewery was american Or an expat of some other country, not Peruvian. Right. If you, but there are a lot of local Peruvian breweries, craft breweries in the Sacred Valley. Well, that's now. where we went to next. Yeah, we went to so, was it Cholos yep. or something, right? Was that what it was called? Was it called Cholos? Yep. Cholos. That, and that was like a local like a spot. I felt like that was very. Local. I couldn't remember that yet. Remember the movie Beer Fest, where they can't yeah. remember where they were but they have to get the guy has to get like super drunk and he just automatically <laughs> remembers like all the alleys he went through and then finds the door yeah what is that state dependency is that what, well i i would not be able to find this place again if i had to thankfully matt showed us where it was but if you're listening to this i really recommend googling it um and and checking it out for yourself because the beer was really good and i like the atmosphere it was all locals you kind of felt removed from the tourist scene a bit and it was neat to experience a, a brewery ran and you know started by by a local Peruvian rather than an American. It was very close to our first Airbnb. Okay. Oh wow. And it was it was also very close to where Brian bought his very nice alpaca gotcha. sweater. Gotcha. Yeah. If you go there, maybe give Matt a shout out. It'll get you. It'll get and you then, a free beer. <laughs> yeah, it will. Yeah. Just tell him. Tell him you know. Tell him you know me. Don't tell him you know Bob. Uh, and then after that, I think we made our way over to one of the nightlife bars called Mama Africa. Yes. Yes. I remember that place. Um, yeah. Matt recommended it because they do every single night, they do a 9 PM to 11 PM free salsa lessons. So if you're interested in learning or want to dance, then you can pretty much grab a partner and learn how to salsa. They did like Cuban salsa. They did like honduran salsa they did a bunch of different styles it I was a lot of fun there were different types of salsa um yeah i thought there was just one yeah, type of salsa yeah it was just salsa just salsa. But, yeah and and below that was a bar called mushrooms which was pretty neat they were both more of a 
Well, Mama Africa was more of like a nightclub-ish scene. I don't even want to call it a nightclub because when I think of mm. nightclub, I'm I'm automatically going towards like Atlantic City, and it wasn't quite. It was small one, but it wasn't quite that. As a discotheca. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> and then Mushrooms was a darker bar. Um, I think both of them were overpriced because they're catering to tourists. So keep that in mind if you want to visit these places. But I think it's a cool place that if you're looking to meet fellow backpackers, then then you might want to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, there's a decent, I mean, I'd say half the people in there are also local. I wouldn't say it was too overpriced. You figure, I, I feel like everywhere we went had that same deal, 2 for 25 for the happy hour. And it was like happy right. hour never ended. Yeah. You could get that deal the whole day. <clears throat> I mean, you figure about it. It's basically happy 25 night. 25 souls is not bad for two drinks. Right. Yeah, no, we took advantage of that. Yeah. And keep in yeah, mind, we learned this the next day. So that night, I mean, we we drank a lot. And uh, we felt it the next day. We had a heavy day of, of traveling. And Terrible we later found out. We later found out. Yeah we, yeah, we had a ride through the mountains and swerving in and out of cars. We found out from Matt when we met up met up with him the next morning that alcohol hits you a lot harder at that elevation than it normally would. I feel I feel like we knew that. I, I feel like I heard it. and But it just it, didn't It did resonate. not resonate until the next day when I felt like absolute death. It was, <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. And, and driving in the countryside is also, can be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now you're just going faster and weaving in and out of people so that, on a two lane road. That was the experience of the countryside. So the drivers would drive at whatever speed they felt comfortable with. And if they ended up coming up to a car that was driving slower than them, there was no hesitation. That car would then swerve into the opposite lane, speed up and then get back over. Now in America we do that right you know during in the designated passing lanes but one they would do it everywhere and in the United States if there are multiple cars in front of you you kind of are stuck you and just you don't deal with do it. it you just deal with it here yeah. they swerve out they don't speed up and then just cut back in and and yeah I mean it doesn't even matter if there's oncoming no, traffic no no they just Assume they won't hit them. They just shove the other so person over. So that's what over. we did the next morning at 7 a.m. Completely hung over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the U.S. is one of the few places that closes their bars at 2. If you enjoy nightlife, they there are clubs in Cusco that stay open until 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And if that, is, if that is something that you enjoy, then you can do that there. I never <laughs> realized how much I appreciated someone telling me to go home telling me to go home at 2 a.m. because we were out till right? what, 3.30 before? Yeah, and that was yeah. late. And that was only because no one turned on the lights and said leave. I don't know. We eventually yeah. just realized it was time to go home and, and stumbled home, but... Yes. Yeah. Um, it, so that day consisted of going to Pisac, which is another ruin that's kind of off the... not I wouldn't say off the beaten path, but it's a little bit out of the way of some of the other ruins. And it's... Pisac, the town, is essentially <coughs> around the ruins. It's The ruins are there, and the town showed up because of the ruins. I really enjoyed these ruins. As hungover as I was, they they were our first experience of the Andes as far as the visual experience. It was the first time we were up high in the mountains, looking down in the valley. We had our first view of the agricultural terraces, and were able to actually tour through the ruins see dwellings and and tombs so 
I really liked it here. I would still, I would recommend doing it if you can. I know it's a little bit off of the beaten path if you're heading from Cusco to Machu Picchu because, so Pisac is north of Cusco, whereas Machu Picchu is, am I, am I correct in my direction? I might be wrong there. I think it's northeast. So Pisac is northeast. No- oh, wait, northeast of Cusco and it's like east, southeast of Machu mm-hmm. Picchu. Anyway, I mean, yeah, I would recommend it. Uh, yeah, and it's got a great market. We went to a, like a local expat bar. Not a bar, it was like a cafe. Got some good food there, and then made our way to you know, and, and didn't Matt talk about that market? Um, if you're there on Sundays, they said it's like really, really popular. Mm-hmm. And the, yep. that, that was, at least where I saw, that was the highest exchange rate that you could get for your money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Th- so we didn't get a lot of time in Pisac, so I feel like we can't say too much about it because we didn't really get to hang out there too much. We spent most of our time at the ruins. By the time we came back down, we had to eat and kind of run to make our train at the end of the day. Um, I think it deserves a little more time than we gave it. If I can go back, I'd probably yeah. figure out a way to, to squeeze in at least in a few more hours. I don't know if you need a whole day there, but maybe half a day, you know, two hours at the ruins – and then two hours or so at the market is probably ideal. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot to do there. Uh, so, so from there we eat. And by the way, that is where that is where Matt lives. <laughs> Matt lives in right, Pisac. right, right. And he also got married. What two days after we left, or that Sunday? Uh, it was a few days after we left, I think. Or yeah, I don't remember the exact day. But yeah, hey Matt, congratulations. Yeah, seriously, I like the yeah. Kilt. yeah the kilt was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and so we had, I mean, we didn't even say this, but we picked Matt up at the ruins, well, right before the ruins, and he ended up being incredibly generous with his information, hung out with us in the cab, dealt with Elliot and I being extremely <laughs> hungover, and and stuck with us as we go, went through the Sacred Valley. It was actually his driver that he hooked us up with. Um, so from Pisac, we went to Chinchero, which I really like this town a lot. Yeah, I thought Chinchero was awesome. Yeah, and the ruins. Yeah, I mean, we, actually, we didn't get to walk the ruins, but I mean, from from our view that we had of them, they looked really neat. Yeah, yeah. So Matt took us to a place where they actually make and weave the alpaca wool, and we pull up, and I set the drone off from across the ruins. We get really cool shots of the the, the ruins, and then we go into it was like a it wasn't a building. Yeah, it was, it was like, like a, a little, little market. Yeah, a little. It was kind of like yeah, on a, like on a hill, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and one of the local women there gave us an awesome workshop on how they get the wool, how they clean it, and then how they get the different dyes. Um, you know, certain minerals provide certain colors. They soak the wool that was, in that color yeah, that and then one, they boil the, uh, it after that. What was it? The parasite from the cactus that she like crushed up and it, yeah. it turns the, the fabric red. That was pretty neat. Bright red. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's called Balcon del Inca. Centro de Textile. What's that? That's what the place oh, is called. Where we were in Chinchero? Yeah, Balcon del Inca, Centro del Textileria Artesanal. And then every, it was so a, there, there were, what would you say, like maybe like 15 different little stands in there? And every one mm-hmm. of the women take turns giving a presentation and they teach everybody how they, how they clean the, the wool, turn it into the yarn, and and weave it into whatever it is. I think she was making a table runner, right? How long did they say that that table runner took to make between two people? It was like weeks or something, right? Uh, yeah. 15 days. 
And then yeah. they have their little stand set yeah. up where you can buy anything that they they specifically made, handmade. Yeah, and that's where I bought some socks. I bought my sweater. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. I could have spent so much more there. The only reason I didn't was because we had so much time left on the trip, and I didn't want to load my bag up with, with weight at that point. Yeah, and fun fact, if you are planning to go to Machu Picchu or the Sacred Valley in the next few years, I would recommend it now. Chinchero is already under construction for a new airport that will essentially be the new destination instead of Cusco. It is much more broad and open so they can actually get larger planes. So in the next five years or 10 years, once it's done construction, Chinchero is going to become the new hub for the Sacred Valley. And it is going to become even more touristy than it already is. Yeah, which I'm always conflicted because I would love to see these places remain as authentic as they are today, even though someone who probably visited Peru 10 or 20 years ago would probably say that it's incredibly touristy now. But anyway, I, I am always conflicted because I want these places to remain authentic, but at the same time, the amount of money that's going to bring into these people is awesome. And I'm really happy for them to have that, you know, that they're going to get that, that development and that, that extra income. So after Chinchero, where did we move to? That was, yeah. Oh, yeah, so now, oh, yeah we had to now book it. Now it was the yeah. frantic car ride to to Owington oh, Tombo. Yeah. We had a train to catch, and we kind of spent a little too much time in Chinchero. We were kind of dragging our feet. So Hernam, Hernam our, our NASCAR driver, Yeah, he had to be doing 100 the whole way there. And, and we didn't bring this up, but there's just random speed bumps on the road. Yeah. When you're driving. So... Everywhere. These taxi drivers are are pedal to the floor the whole way, and then there's a random speed bump coming up, so they're slamming on their brakes, swerving, I trying they... to soften the bump, and it, it's a, just a terrible experience. That's probably the worst part of the trip is driving the car. And the speed bumps aren't even consistently made well, right? So yeah. some of them, some of them are bigger and shorter, so the cars are going at it almost perpendicular to the direction of traffic, so they don't hit the bottom of the car so they don't bottom out and they still did it many times yeah i need they would just go over and then you just do and it's very shocking what about that one little town that we went through where they had all the guinea pigs on the sticks that reminded me of like a an old like amazonian adventure movie where or like indiana <laughs> jones or something where they they basically cooked up these guinea pigs and they would spike them and they would hold them on these long poles. And as you drove through the town, they would just hold out the sticks with the guinea pigs on them. And you could, Matt said, you could just buy the guinea pig. You pull it off the stick, you throw them some money, and you're on your way with a nice guinea pig snack. <laughs> that was really yeah. cool. That was it's like a turkey life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't remember the name of that town. I think that might have been the town. Remember he, he talked about uh, there was a town where they all had a list they talked because someone that was that was spain yeah but was he comparing it to a town in peru i don't remember yeah i think he said that someone had come from spain who had a lisp and over the years everybody developed this lisp oh so i'm looking at i mean the map there's a town called pachar urabamba uk it was after urabamba it was after urabamba yeah on the way to oyatatambo so was it pachar i don't know so from there so yeah we had a frantic drive to get uh, <laughs> to get to, 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 Tombo, to, we to catch the train. train matt matt made sure we got there and we did not stop at we a unfortunately did not 
right, of time, yeah. even though I don't think any of us would have been able to drink beer at that point. But um, which kind of sucked because it was in a really cool spot. Mm-hmm. I feel like that whole drive to the train station, the the view was incredible, but it just no was not yeah. it was not an ideal day to be in. The so bar. for those people listening right now, what would you guys do differently about that day? Because we we had too much crammed in. We had to wake up. We had to go all the way up to Pisac, then back to Chinchero, and then straight to Olington Tambo. What would you would you guys cut out Chinchero or Pisac? Would you? What would you guys do differently? I don't know. I honestly probably, I think Pisac was the highlight of that day and Chinchero. Then those were the only two places we really went. So would you add an extra day to do those and then maybe stay in Ole Tintambo that night and then maybe take an early train the next morning? It would just depend. Yeah, that probably would have made sense. I mean, because I feel like Pisac is where is really probably the, the problem with the time because it was so far out of the way. Right. Yeah. The only other thing I would recommend thinking about for someone planning it now would be to throw Pisac in a in your day with Cusco. Maybe spend half the day in Cusco and then <coughs> drive, you know, take a cab up to Pisac for the afternoon or vice versa. But you can easily pair it with, with a day in Cusco and then just take the cab, you know, back and forth. May you know, maybe looking at it now, we could have cut out that hour walk to nowhere and did Pisac that day, but you know. <laughs> All right. So that playground was awesome, though. It was. <laughs> you guys love talking about it. So, so <laughs> that night we get no the train ride. Train ride, hands down, the most beautiful the train, train ride you guys ride have ever taken, right? Was ever. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. I swear, I felt like I was going into Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Seriously, mountains on both sides, like never beautiful ending. Beautiful valley, beautiful river, trees, plants everywhere, and it just feels like you're almost in a tunnel all the time. But it's just this cavern not cavern but just crevice of mountains yeah it was it was amazing i wasn't expecting it to be that amazing very undeveloped brian and i were spotting small villages in the in the rainforest as we were driving through but uh, if you can take that train during the day i highly recommend it it's worth it it was it was amazing it was a train ride that i know i'll never forget uh that was that was the inca rail we did inca rail and, yeah, on, and there's yeah. a few different trains. There's Inca there's Rail. Per- Peru Rail, There's right? Inca Rail. There's Peru Rail. Peru Rail. <laughs> <laughs> They're very comparable in pricing. I forget what made me pick Inca Rail at this point, but... I think Inca Rail looked like it was a little bit nicer of a train. The Peru Rail just seemed like it was kind of older. Yeah. The one thing I did like, though, was that we, we drove past the one train car. They, it looked like they had a, a car that was designated just for standing, and the windows were wide open. There were people literally hanging out of the window on the Peru Rail train. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, and then there's the Hiram Bingham train. If you're rich, then if, yeah, if you have taller status. this is the train for you. This reminded me of, if you've seen the movie Titanic, this is what it reminded me of. The, the Where Rose was like out to dinner, the ballroom with the crystal chandelier, the live uh, music with, you know, they're all in suits playing the violin. Like the string band. Yeah. It was amazing. It was, It looked incredible. But it's only a two-hour train ride from Olinton Tambo to Aguas Calientes, and I believe not tickets, even. And yeah, and I believe those tickets go for about four hundred dollars. So, um, if you have the money to spend on a an hour and forty-five minute train ride, go for it. It's probably really nice. But we had a great time and a great experience uh, spending a I fraction. Think more of that. importantly, it's just, it's the view. You're if you're, I wouldn't spend all that money to to have a fancy meal and listen to some live music, you, you get what you need just out of seeing the landscape on the way there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. 
I mean, unless you're doing that all the time and the landscape becomes boring and you need to liven it up with some live music and lots of booze. (laughs) So we ended up getting into Aguas Calientes that evening. We had a little bit of a mix up with our Airbnb, no big deal. And then uh, we all were pretty, I guess, sort of blown away by Aguas Calientes. I, I had low expectations for that town just because of what I've read. Everybody said it's a tourist trap spend as little time as here as you possibly can. And I kind of agree as far as the restaurants and the shops go, but the setting was, it was awesome. amazing. I mean, you're tucked. They had that little river that ran right through the middle of the town. Yeah. yeah. An awesome river. You were tucked away in a bowl, just surrounded by the sheer granite cliffs. It it was, it's, it's hard to describe. It was such an awesome yeah. town. Um, Even at night, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because and, the, the river's all lit up. It So if you've ever been to the San Antonio Riverwalk, it's like that, but you're not right on the river, and it's more of a stream, a mountain stream. And Aguas Calientes just kind of is built up and nestled in this delta of three different streams that come together, and there's mountains just towering all above you. It's gorgeous. And I think yeah. that night we just got... Uh, like on the one side of the river, it's very touristy and the meals are a little more expensive. And on the other side, it's more of the locals, air quotes. And then the meals are supposedly a little cheaper. You can try to find, it's hard to find authentic food in Aguas Calientes because it is such a tourist destination. But we ended up getting something quick. I think I ended up getting pizza at some place and that was all right. Yeah. Nothing. The food, Nothing memorable. the food wasn't really anything to brag about. Um, and at that point, we were so exhausted I, anyway. I feel like that was our first experience, though, of these those type of restaurants where they really try to cater to the tourists right. that are coming in there. And I mean, it, it wasn't terrible food, but you know, for, for what we were searching for, it, it was nothing. Well, it we seemed mass produced. It seemed like all of these restaurants that were trying to cater to tourists all had the same exact menu. And... Yeah, we're just making what they thought we wanted, which was pizza and burgers and the things that we... Soups. Lots of soups. The the soup was actually the best part. The soup was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, soup was Mm -hmm. good. But, um, yeah, you're not going to Aguas Calientes to eat, so not a huge deal. Yeah, some Um, of the food stands were a lot of fun. Like, they have a really cool soccer field that I'm sure we helped contribute to and other tourists have helped contribute to. Yeah. And there's some really neat, like... uh, stadium food if you will <laughs> they have some good pastries and other snack foods yeah that's that's good so the side with the soccer field is supposed to be the cheaper side it's supposed to be more the local side there are markets there they're going to be a little bit cheaper than if you were on the other side of the bridge uh, where it's a little more commercialized where all the hostels are um so that kind of puts it in perspective soccer fields that's where that's where you might find a little bit cheaper prices but i don't think by much yeah um and then after dinner, I think we picked up some supplies for the next day at a market and went to bed fairly early. Yeah, so we went to bed. <laughs> so yeah, we, we went, went to bed early. <laughs> so we went to bed early enough for Bob to wake up at like eleven thirty at night. So we went to bed at no. nine p.m. Right, and eleven o'clock. So I'm laying in bed. And we're in a hostel. It's like eleven forty five. Windows. Yeah. We have windows in our in our room, but they go out to the hallway and the hallway light was on. So I'm laying in bed and I have my watch on and I look at my watch and it says eleven 
I thought it was like 58, 11.58 p.m. Yeah. And I see the light coming in, and I see my watch say 11.58. We had to be up at 5.30 in the morning. I jump up out of bed. I thought we missed frantically. I thought we missed Machu Picchu. I wake both of them up. <laughs> Elliot jumps up out of bed. I, what was I saying? I can't believe we missed Machu Picchu. We, we missed did it. it. I can't believe it. We slept through it. Yeah. You were just like yeah. staring at your watch. And then you looked at your phone and you were looking at your phone. And, and the, we were all just the so The stupidest confused. part was that your phone is military. No, by, by that time, <laughs> by that time, yeah. by that time it switched to 12 o'clock. No, it would have been zero. Oh, wait. <laughs> there's no excuse. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's no excuse. So we realized Bob got it wrong and we had only been asleep for two hours. And still had to get up at 5.30 so in the morning. So thank you for that, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I was probably just dreaming that we were going to miss Machu Picchu and then woke up and thought we did it. That would, Dude, I, I thought, I really genuinely thought we missed it. My heart sank. I thought we went all the way to Peru and we missed Machu Picchu. All right, that is our show for today. Please tune in next week. We will release the second half of our trip, starting with Machu Picchu. There was just too much to cover uh, over one podcast. So again, next week, we'll go through the remainder of our trip. And at the end, we're going to go through general tips and cover the budget for our for our trip. So uh, check it out. Yeah, we're really excited about it. We had a lot of fun with this first episode. And... All right, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. 